Chapter Five of The Adventures of Tommy Blake by Brother Ernest Ryan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Crisis. Christmas that December dawned gloomily for Tommy. Never before had he faced such a holiday prospect. All of the teachers and nearly all of the students had scattered to their homes. Basil Kensington, who lived at the school, remained, of course, and two other students, sons of wealthy divorcees, who were not wanted at home. Presents they had in abundance, much as a keeper might throw in excessive food for animals in a zoo, and with the same amount of grace. Several times on the day before Christmas heavy packages had arrived for Tommy. Carried to his room by the porter, most of them lay unopened just where they had been placed. Tommy sat at a window, abstractedly looking out over the stretches of snow-covered lawn. This was no Christmas. It was just another grey day, like many of the past, and it opened up a vista of ten other days of equal gloom ahead. No amount of presence could make up for his not being with his mother or for his inability to go to church. The other boys frolicked about the school, enjoying themselves. They were not in the least upset over the fact that no one came to see them. They had their presence, and after all, what else was Christmas but a day on which one got presents? That was all they had ever known about it. No one had told them about the Christ child. No one had explained to them why gifts are made at this time of the year. Passing along the corridor, one of the boys saw Tommy through the open door. Merry Christmas, Tom. Thanks, Ronald. Same to you. You don't look very happy, Tom. I'm not. And you have all these presents. Why, you haven't even opened up some of them. What's the matter? I'm not used to spending my Christmas alone, Tommy said rather lamely. This is the first time I have been away from home on this day. Where's your old man? Isn't he coming to see you? No. And your mother? Have you got one? Yes, Ronald, said Tom in a rather choking voice. I have a mother, but I can't write to her. I'm not allowed to. Well, I can write to mine, but she doesn't bother about me. She's married to another man now, and if I were with her, I would only do what she calls cramping her style. I had a swell dad, but he just couldn't get here, and anyway, the law gave me to my mother. It's a dizzy world, Tom. It's good of you to come in, Ronald. Did you get a lot of presents? Yes, I got this ring and this wristwatch. I like these the best, but I got a new suit and another riding suit. I have boxes of candy and things like that. Why don't you open up your things? It would make you feel better. No, I don't care to bother. I opened up some of them. They are all nice things, all for my father. When did you see your mother last, Ronald? Not for three years now, but I don't bother about that very much any more. I'm used to it. That attitude of a boy toward his mother was entirely foreign to Tommy. No wonder Ronald said this was a dizzy world. Well, I guess I'll be going along, Tom. Clark Austin and I are going downtown to the movies this afternoon. Are you coming? No, I have to stay here. Well, I'll be seeing you tonight, Tom. With that, Ronald was off to meet his chum and get ready for the movies. That evening, Tommy Blake did not show up in the refectory for dinner, so Basil Kensington made it his business to go to the boy's room. He found him asleep and noticed that he looked unusually flushed. The principal's first impulse was to awaken him, but on second thought he drew a blanket over the boy and left him. 
The next morning no one heard anything from Tommy. When the maid went to his room to straighten things up, as was her daily job, he was not there, but she thought nothing of his absence. Finally, an hour later, when Kensington sent the porter up to the boy's room with breakfast, he received the report that Tommy was not to be found. This is most strange. Search the entire premises at once, and report back to me within an hour. The search proved to be in vain. Dreading the possibility of newspaper notoriety, Basil Kensington called in a private detective agency to aid him in locating the missing boy. "'Have you his picture?' asked the operative. "'With our office records,' said the principal, producing Tommy's photograph. "'Now, sir, have you any idea when he left?' "'I saw him last night at seven. He was then in bed. I have not seen him since.' "'Did he have money?' "'Not with him. He has plenty in the office.' "'Did you notice anything missing from his room, besides his overcoat and hat?' "'Not a thing. Most of his packages have not even been opened.' "'Well, that's not much of a clue to work on, but I'll let you know what we find.' The detective returned to his office and reported the case. He had just finished giving the meager details when a police flash came from a radio on the chief's desk. "'Calling all cars! Calling all cars! Injured person along railroad track between 8th and Gary, reported by engineer on the 950.' condition unknown that might be our boy chief i'm going on the search that's a long stretch from eighth to gary yes but no streets cross the track in between that's the reason for the vague location the detective got into his car and hurried off knowing that if he could beat the regular police officers he would be well paid by kensington he parked his car at the corner of east street and hurried down the tracks no one was ahead of him yet but in the distance the sound of a siren made him break into a run. Quite a distance before him, at one side of the track, he could see an object. Yes, a prone body. His feet bit into the sandy ground to make speed, and he soon came up to it. A hurried examination showed it to be Tommy, bruised and unconscious. As the detective picked the boy up and headed toward his car, the first of the police cars halted at the corner of East Street. The officers had noticed the man on the tracks and hurried down to meet him. "'You're a little late,' said the detective. "'I have the boy.' "'Better turn him over to us. We're officers of the law.' "'I'm handling this case,' replied the detective, knowing his rights. "'I don't want to put the boy down to show you my credentials, "'but if you'll come along with me to my car, I'll oblige you.' The police were nettled, but they followed along behind the man until he had put Tommy into his car. Then he pulled out his billfold and produced his identification card. They thereupon grudgingly allowed him to pursue his way to the hospital. A little later an ambulance passed him, but the detective paid no attention to it, and sped along as fast as the law would allow. A careful examination at the hospital showed that Tommy had sustained a broken right arm, several severe lacerations, and possibly a fractured skull. "'If only he would come too, doctor,' said the nurse in genuine alarm. "'We'll just have to wait. Things like this can't be rushed.' "'I'm going to the office to call the boy's guardian,' said the detective. "'Please don't let anyone in to see the boy while I'm away.' The detective made his way to the office of the hospital and called Kensington. The conversation was very short. "'Do you know Mr. Basil Kensington of Washington Irving Academy?' asked the detective of the nurse at the desk. "'Very well indeed, sir. "'Well, he'll be here in a short time. "'When he comes, please bring him to room 103.' 
I'll be waiting for him there. And he made off down to Tommy's room once more. He has not come to yet, said the nurse by way of breaking the silence. That's a very ugly wound on the back of his head. He must have fallen off the train, said the doctor. I'm sure I don't know, doctor, replied the detective. I have called the boy's guardian, Basil Kensington of the Academy. You know him, I presume? I'm his doctor. That's good. He will be here soon. So the boy's from the Academy? I'd better let Mr. Kensington do the talking, doctor, answered the detective with professional caution. In a short time Mr. Kensington entered the room, his normal calm entirely missing. How's the boy, doctor? In a bad shape, I'm afraid, Kensington. He has not come to yet. I have set his right arm and attended to the cuts. It's that bump on the back of his head that's worrying me. When he regains consciousness, we may find out something more about things. Do you really think it is serious, doctor? There is a possibility of a fractured skull. I don't want to alarm you unduly, but it seems to me that the boy's parents should be informed. That's what I'm worried about. I thought that if you felt the case not too serious, I would not bother to get in touch with his father. Well, it certainly is serious. I wouldn't want to have the entire responsibility on my shoulders if I were you, Kensington. I see, I see. It's not so easy to get hold of the boy's father. He travels quite a bit, but I'll notify his office. You feel there's nothing more that you can do at the present time, doctor? Not a thing, sir. I will leave the nurse with the boy. She'll call me just as soon as anything new develops. I have several other calls to make this morning here in the hospital, and I'll be back before noon. Do you intend to stay here? Yes, doctor. I'll wait until you return. Kensington pulled up a chair close to the bed and sat for a long moment looking at the patient. Then he got up and paced back and forth. Soon he came back to the nurse. Has anyone seen the boy? No one but the doctor, the detective, and the nurses here in the hospital. That's all I want to know. Don't let anyone in to see him without my permission. I'm going to put in a call for his father. The principal was a very worried man. It was the first time in the history of his school that such a thing had happened. Also, he rather feared the meeting with the senior Blake. About half an hour later, Tommy opened his eyes. He gazed about him, much as anyone does when first coming out of ether. Tommy, Tommy, do you hear me? questioned the nurse. But Tommy gave no answer. He was too profoundly exhausted. In another moment he closed his eyes again and was off to sleep. He opened his eyes for a moment, sir, said the nurse as Kensington returned to the room. I tried to get him to talk, but he didn't hear me. I'm quite worried about the boy, confessed the principal. I am sure you are, sir, but everything has been done that is possible, you know. People sometimes remain unconscious for hours with a bump like that, she said, trying to quiet the nervous man. Here's the doctor. How's the patient, nurse? was the physician's first question as he approached the bed. He opened his eyes for a moment, doctor, but he didn't say anything. He wasn't really conscious. He's moving a little now, doctor, said Kensington. The doctor bent over the patient. Tommy, Tommy, do you hear me? A slight moan escaped from the boy's lips, but that was all. There is nothing further I can do, Kensington. I will go along to my office. If there is any change, nurse, please call me. And so saying, the doctor left. 
don't doctors usually stay with their patients until they revive questioned the principal not always sir in a case like this there is nothing that the doctor can do the boy has no fever at present you can go too if you wish sir i will be here and i can call you if it becomes necessary he may not revive for hours yet kensington could feel that he was not wanted so he made up his mind to go home i am to be downtown about two o'clock he told the nurse as he departed and i'll come in again at that time for more than an hour the nurse sat watching her charge suddenly tommy moved his arms that was one of the few signs of life he had displayed since he had been laid on the hospital bed tommy said the nurse his eyes flickered tommy she repeated and patted him lightly on the cheek tommy opened his eyes and looked up at her but the vagueness in his gaze told her that he was not yet fully conscious his lids seemed about to sink once more but suddenly complete awareness asserted itself his eyes regarded her with normal directness and he asked where am i you're in the hospital tommy a quiver as of intense pain shook through him and he moved his left hand up to his head you've got quite a bump there tommy but tommy had dropped off again into an unconscious state the nurse patiently sat down to wait for him to awaken once more at the promised hour kensington returned has he regained consciousness yet just for a moment sir strange no it's not strange sir but i do think he will soon come too for good i have word from his father who will arrive in the city late tomorrow afternoon i do hope tommy will be able to talk to him so we can get the story of the accident he'll come out of it before sundown sir at least i feel that way about it then you don't think i need to wait no sir so kensington left the hospital again here was one place where he was not supreme just before six o'clock that night tommy verified the nurse's prophetic powers by coming back once more to the land of reality you're a great sleeper said the nurse half jokingly to get him to feel at ease what has happened to me tommy asked noticing for the first time that his arm was in a cast you have had an accident my boy an accident oh my head can you tell me how you got down to the railroad tracks tommy they found you quite a distance from town lying beside the rails come tell me about it i'm your friend i won't tell on you i tried to run away from school i want to get home to my mother does kensington know that i am here yes he does he has been here twice since you were brought in this morning and your father will get here tomorrow evening did they say anything about my mother not a word tommy where is your mother i don't know for sure we used to live in new york then for a time we lived in lawson i've got to get to my mother i don't want to stay here but you must remain in bed for a while tommy you have been badly hurt how long will i have to stay here that all depends upon how soon you get well my lad you have a bad bump on your head and your right arm is broken how long does it take to heal a broken arm about five or six weeks for a strong fellow like you five or six weeks and will i have to stay here all that time perhaps not we will know better a little later i wouldn't worry about it now 
but my head aches so you just lie still now and i'll go for more ice most of this is melted already no sooner had the nurse closed the door behind her than tommy made up his mind to try to escape once more he picked up the broken arm with the good one shoved his feet over the side of the bed got on to them swayed one brief moment and then dropped into a heap on the floor when the nurse returned and saw him thus crumpled in a dead faint she immediately ran for help the doctor feared that the fall might have dislocated the bones in the broken arm an x-ray dispelled that fear but the shock from the fall had had its own effects for more than an hour the boy remained in a complete stupor when late that night he again recognized his surroundings he found the doctor and the nurse standing over him i'm very disappointed in you my boy said the doctor i don't care whether you are or not i want to get out of this place get my mother to come here you sent for my father i don't want him to come if it weren't for him i wouldn't be here will you tell me about it tommy soothed the doctor yes i have to stay at the academy my dad put me there and he never comes around my mother doesn't know i am there he wouldn't even let me write to her he doesn't care for my mother because she is a catholic are you a catholic doctor no i am not i didn't know that catholics were allowed to go to the academy well i'm a catholic it seems people can do just about what they want when they have money my father got me into the academy my father is not a catholic and he doesn't want me to be one either that is the reason why he put me there i got sick and tired of being there so when it got dark last night i beat it i made for the railroad tracks i kept away from the center of town so i wouldn't get caught i tried to get on several trains but it was no use they were going too fast finally one came along this morning that looked slower than the rest and i made a grab for it i held on and tried hard to pull up my feet onto the ladder but i couldn't make it i looked down and got dizzy and then i don't know what happened well from there on i can take up the story you were noticed by an engineer where was sent in by radio and a private detective found you but i'm surprised tommy that you try to run away from the hospital you should never have done that you are in a bad condition right now oh i just don't care doctor anything would be better than to be at the academy now please try to rest tommy you're going to put in some tough hours when the reaction to those bumps and broken bones sets in and listen you must promise me that you won't try to escape from the hospital will you do that of course he'll not try to escape the doctor turned to confront kensington who had just entered now listen basil you leave the boy to me he's under my care as long as he is here and i think we'll get along well together kensington stood for a moment stunned yes go on home burst from tommy's lips i don't want to see tommy tommy i don't want you to talk that way to mr kensington said the doctor giving the boy a wink on the side opposite to the principal the latter feeling the indignity cast upon him picked up his hat and left the room he'll tell your dad on you when he gets here i don't care if he does well i'm going to leave you in charge of the nurse now be a good boy and stay in bed i'll call on you in the morning i won't try to run away doctor i give you my word 
Tommy put in a bad night, and the next morning when the doctor called, he found him in great pain. "'I'm aching all over today, doctor,' said the boy through feverish lips. "'I knew you would be, but I'll give you a little something to ease that for a while. Here, drink this.' The draught was soothing, and Tommy soon went off to sleep. When he awoke a few hours later, his father stood beside the bed. At first Tommy did not seem to recognize him. "'Well, Tommy, don't you know me?' "'Yes, Dad.' There was coldness in that voice, although Tommy reached out his hand to shake hands with his father. "'How do you feel?' "'Miserable.' "'It seems like you're not at all anxious to see me, Tommy.' "'Well, I can't help it.' "'What do you mean, you can't help it?' "'I mean just that.' I can't help that I don't feel anxious to see you. You didn't come at Christmas time. You never let... Now, Tommy, cut in Blake to prevent the boy from talking about his mother. You know how busy I am. Busy, busy. You're always busy. If you'd take a little time out to try to make things home-like for me and for Mother, you'd be much better off. I know you don't want me to talk about her, but I'm going to talk about her just the same. And if I get a chance to run away and find her... I'm going to do it. There was defiance in Tommy's eyes and in his voice. It was a new and unwelcome experience for Blake. He had never noticed this element in his son's makeup before. Well, I'm certainly surprised at you, Tommy. Here I made this long trip because I felt you really wanted me. Kensington told me you were in a very serious condition. He is in a serious condition, Mr. Blake, said the nurse. He was unconscious for several hours yesterday. I really don't think he's quite as bad a boy as he is trying to appear at present. But these tactful words did not soothe Tommy's spirit. You'll let us talk together for a while by ourselves, nurse. Certainly, sir. Just call me before you leave. As soon as the door closed behind her, Blake began the effort to break down Tommy's resistance, but though he said a good deal, he did not succeed. I don't want to appear ugly, Dad, but it seems that I do appear that way to you. I'm just unhappy. I hate it here. You have done everything for me that you think is right, but I see things in a different way. Well, I'm sorry it has to be that way, Tommy, but I'll be leaving tomorrow. I have a rush trip to Brooklyn. Now I want you to promise that you will not try to run away again. It will soon be vacation time. June will be here before you know it. Then we'll plan some good times. I trust in you. I know that if you promise me not to run away from the academy, you'll keep that promise. Think it over and let me know in the morning. I won't need to wait until the morning. I'll not promise that I won't try to run away. End of chapter 5